Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Where will each chapter take you? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. After a stressful take on the valley, there's nothing more relaxing than playing a round of June's Journey. I take in all the glamorous culture of the 1920s, scandalous family secrets, and explore and even build my own vivid sceneries. So can you crack the case? June needs your help, detective. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. episode of Sex, Love, and What Else Matters. I have a guest that I'm dying over right now because I've been trying to be her friend ever since season one of Undercover Underage came out. She is the founder of SOSA, Safe, wait, sorry, what does SOSA stand for, Rue? This is RuPaul. Hi, Safe from Online Sex Abuse. Safe from Online Sex, yeah, I put the F in there, that's right, Safe from Online Sex Abuse. So this is RuPaul, everybody. So if you have not seen Undercover Underage, it is on Discovery ID, then you are living under a rock. It is strangely my favorite show, (laughs) which is awesome, but it's very disturbing, but it's very eye-opening. And I remember when I started like sliding into your DMs and trying to be your buddy online because I was so obsessed with the premise of this show. The way I explain it to people is kind of like to catch a predator meets like catfish. I don't know if that's the way you would describe it necessarily, but I remember when you and I were like messaging on Instagram and then started texting and I told you like I watched every episode of season one like five times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I mean, I guess to to catch a predator plus catfish would make sense. It's a very much like a modern day version of it, right? Because Mm -hmm. to catch a predator was very like, okay, why don't you come inside? Why don't you have a seat? And um, it was definitely an entertaining show. Uh, Sosa, we do this work irrespective of cameras. So whether or not we're being filmed, this is stuff that we're doing. And so essentially what we're doing is we put fake teenagers online, decoys, uh, in order to identify perpetrators of child sex abuse and exploitation. And we work with law enforcement while we're doing that. So we'll usually go to a a city or a county and partner with law enforcement there in order to start this operation. Okay. So I have a lot of questions about that. So first and foremost, when did you found SOSA? Like when did SOSA start for you? It's just an amazing thing that you're doing. And I think everyone really needs to pay attention to this. I tell all of my friends who are young moms now, 
And I don't think people even understand, like we didn't have this stuff growing up. I mean, when I was 13, I remember like AOL chat rooms and I can remember some like pretty gnarly things that were even being said on there, but we were, it was just not, we weren't savvy back then. Yeah. And, and the keyword, the keyword was want a cyber. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah it, there wasn't like all of these horrific things of people like actually meeting up and it just blows my mind. So just tell us first a little bit about Sosa before we get into like the TV show. Sure. So um, Sosa has been around since 2020, but I've been doing this work since prior to 2020. At the time, I was uh, working for a tech company that's in the safety space, the online safety space, and I was running the creative team. And I would see these instances of online sex abuse. And again, so hard to explain because parents, like you and I didn't we weren't raised with a smartphone in our hands. Snapchat Never. has only yeah. been around for about a decade or so. So this is relatively new territory. And I yeah. wanted to share what can happen to a kid online, but I also didn't want to use a real case and exploit a real child. You know, that's there's, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a real victim there. So um, my team and I put together a fake profile and it was me de-aged digitally. You know, I had graphic designers on the team and we put this fake person online in order to de demonstrate the ubiquity of online predation. And within the first hour, we had six messages from adults. And this was without even like posting, it was like one photo or just, you know, just a one post in Reddit. It was all very, very benign. And very like, now you see on the show, we have these we have tons of preparation that go into these profiles. And this mm -hmm. was just like one picture and like one right. one liner. And I was kind of taken aback by the response. And at that time, we would give that information to law enforcement as well. I ended up writing a piece about it that kind of took off, went viral because it's like, oh gosh, look what, what's happening online. And that kind of led to a production company reaching out saying, hey, can we follow you around? And at that time, I was still actively a part of a couple cases. And I realized that this is something that really isn't understood. It is really hard to explain. It's like a different language, like it's a different planet. I felt like this is something that we really needed to raise awareness about. So that is how Sosa started. That's genius. Like, it's amazing. And everybody, I'm going to post a lot about this on my Instagram. I do already about Sosa and, you know, any small donations, you know, it's like you give a dollar if every single person gave a dollar, how much that would help you with these sprints, because I think people don't understand like how costly that they can be, regardless of all, of, you know, the help that you have. Um, but I have a question again, just before, so this was basically, that was like the birth of what came to be undercover underage. Right. Right. You doing this one like little profile, right? Well, I, I had done a couple more since then. Uh -huh. Like I, I, you know, we flushed them out. We experimented. Like I, you know, put a, a 12 year old an 11 year old. We did it. We did a few different ages. Right. I was shocked on season two, this season that's airing right now that you guys had it's her, I think Isabel is her name. She's 20 mm -hmm. years old playing as a 12 year old because yeah. on season one, they were mostly like 15, 14 right. years old. Yeah. That blew my mind that an adult, I mean, number one, any adult, any man of, of men of these ages should not be even looking at anyone at 14 or 15, but 12 just feels like elementary school almost. I mean, it's not, but it right. just, it just, there's such a huge difference. Well, that's the question that I had was like, how low does this bar go? 
Well, as we know on season two, that what we recently discovered, I, like I, I can barely talk about it. It's yeah, the, the bar is a, two, in hell. a toddler. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I have a question just about what, at least what we're seeing on TV and just what you do with Sosa. But like, so last season you were on the East Coast. You guys mm-hmm. were like in Connecticut, I believe. Yep. And this season you're in Oklahoma. Right doing these sprints in this, you have this house, you have all these like rooms set up for the different decoys. How do you guys choose which city? And because if I'm not mistaken, there's not a federal age limit, correct? Isn't it state by state? It is. So all of these laws vary by state. So certain states have, you know, grooming statutes where it is illegal to even speak to a minor in a sexual way. Certain states, you know, the age of consent is 18, certain, some at 17, some at 16. But actually, for the most part, and people are often surprised to hear this, most states, the age of consent is 16. Oh and God. that's why there are times where we'll have a perpetrator reach out and they hear that our decoy is 15. And the next question is, how long until you turn 16? Like, oh my God. H- how long? Because they, they know, they know, they know those laws. So we choose basically it's based on law enforcement. So if law enforcement says, hey, we'd really like for you to come out here and help us, then we really need the law enforcement buy-in. So if, um, you know, an ICAC, which is Internet Crimes Against Children, an ICAC team wants us to come help, we're, we're happy to come. Oh, okay. So if you have it's- a friend, if you have a friend who is a, you know, ICAC detective, have them give us a call and we'll swing yeah, by. Yeah, everyone hear that? Everyone hear that. <laughs> okay. Is that something that you guys have thought of or has anyone ever brought up like getting it into motion for it to become like a federal law that, you know, the minor has to be, that it is like 18 or, you know, or all the laws are the same or is that just like so difficult and really is up to state by state? And how I, you know, I, I think generally speaking, like as we've seen uh, in this country, yeah. it's, it's hard, you know, things so vary state by state. And so it's hard to have something federally passed. I That's do true. think that the age of consent should be 18. If 18 is the arbitrary age that we say that someone is an adult, like you're 18, you can vote, you can smoke, you can fight for this country. Then it should also be the age that, you know, you are able to make these decisions about sexual relationships and what can honestly potentially be really damaging. I still think like the developmental difference between 16 and 18 is still big. I think about myself as a 16 year old and then as an 18 year old, there is some maturing that happens in that time. You know, with SOSA, I do speak with legislators about some thoughts I have, like, hey, what if this state had a grooming statute? Hey, what if we raise the consent to mm-hmm. the age of consent to 18? And that's something that, you know, we do a little a little bit of, and it would be great mm-hmm. for, I mean, I think that would be great for the age of consent to be 18 across the board. I do think that would be great. So everyone talk to your lawmakers. There's no way that anyone in this country, unless you are an ACM adult contacting a minor, that's a SOSA term, correct? Right. Yeah. You guys use. So unless you are one of those people, I cannot imagine any reason that everyone should not be speaking to their lawmakers about this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the downside. I mean, a lot of times right. there, there are laws and, and, and people, there are pros and cons and, you know, you see people that can argue both sides. I don't really see a downside of the age of consent being 18. I could not agree more. And something that you talk about a lot, I've noticed, especially on social media, because people do get really fired up as I am when I'm watching this show and you know, looking at your social media, but something that you've made abundantly clear to people that I think is really important is you're doing this work with law enforcement and you have a team, you guys know what you're doing, and this is not something that people should be trying to do out on their own. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can understand the impulse to want to just hop online and like find a bad guy. Um, and there are lots of these groups and organizations that will communicate online and then show mm-hmm. up with a camera and, and and kind of accost the person and say, you're here meeting a 14-year-old. And um, right. I, again, I understand the impulse to do that. And I, I could see how it might be a deterrent for perpetrators, but those cases are largely not prosecutable. And also it can be really, really dangerous. So often, mm-hmm. you know, when I speak with law enforcement, they they do say, we would really prefer if people not do that because there are so many things that go into it, including like knowing the requirements for prosecution and uh, what are what are the rules of engagement because they vary by state. Right. And I think that's really the most important because what you're trying to do is is get these adults held accountable and justice to be served. And so if somebody were to go out of their way because they're fired up about this and then all of a sudden the case becomes not prosecutable, then it's just like, oh man. And I don't think, I don't think that, you know, posting a YouTube video about some guy that you meet in the Walmart parking lot is necessarily the most effective way to make sure that somebody is brought to justice. I get the impulse behind it. I I certainly do. It's also just incredibly dangerous. You know, it's just a dangerous thing to do. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people will do this and then they'll send it to law enforcement. And uh, as one, you know, law enforcement uh, officer I spoke with, he, he runs an ICAC. Am I allowed to curse here? Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> he was like, all they're doing is putting like stacks of shit on our desk. And it's just tying up like, what am I supposed to do with this? I have all of these cases. And then I've got people that are just saying, hey, go get this guy. And I can't do anything with that. You know, right. so it's really if you want to support, there are lots of other things you can do to support that don't include doing something that is actually causes more harm than good. Very excellent point. So everyone, please pay attention to that. And then I just have one more question about this because it's something that goes through my head and something that friends that have that watch your show and have watched it with me have wondered. What about citizens arrest? Is that a thing or like bounty hunting or like, is that a thing when it comes to these cases? I always just assumed that citizens arrest were like urban legends, Um, but maybe that's not the case. I I don't know. I I don't know. I like to think that I'm a private investigator, even though I'm not. So (laughs) it's just, we only work with law enforcement and that's it. And um, just smart. And, and and you 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 see in in season two that they're very passionate about making sure that these people are brought to justice, and I think there are some very satisfying endings uh, to some of oh these cases. God. Yes, on season two, I was like, oh, oh my god, that he's arrested. He's like, we're four episodes in, and there have already been arrests made, which was is just incredible. It's yeah. like such a weight off of, you know, my shoulders, all the, all the viewers of this show, like their shoulders, obviously you and your team as well. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so awesome about your show is like, not only are you teaching people like me, people our age that weren't internet savvy, how easy this is for these adults to get away with. Mm-hmm. But also I hope that this starts scaring the shit out of these ACMs into going, oh, eyes open. Like, yeah, I will say one of the biggest criticisms I get is you are just teaching predators all of your tips and tricks, which one, it's not the case. There's plenty of no. the secret sauce that I won't share um, on air. And I've never even thought that. I just thought you hopefully are like, this is like a scare tactic. Right. Like, it, let's say, let's say, you know, we go out and we make five, you know, with law enforcement, five arrests are made today. 
there's still 500,000 perpetrators in the U.S. It's not going to be us just kind of pointing them out one by one. If we raise awareness, then we're empowering communities to combat this together. And that includes having, you know, concerned adults and parents and teachers and, you know, cool aunts understand what's happening online. I'm so excited to tell you guys about OneSkin. If you've ever thought to yourself, what if we could reverse the root causes of aging? Then listen closely. Our new sponsor, OneSkin, puts science and research first. Founded by a team of four female PhD-level longevity scientists with over 15 years of experience, OneSkin set out to not just decrease the visible signs of skin aging, but to treat the root causes of skin aging. Listen, I've been told since my early 20s that eye cream is everything, and I put on OneSkin's eye topical supplement, and I could immediately immediately see and feel a difference in how firm that area became without sagging. I have sensitive eyes and this cream did not irritate me whatsoever. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so skin behaves, feels, and appears younger. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. Get 15% off with the code DOTI at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code DOTI. That's O-N-E-S-K-I-N.co with code DOTI. We only have one body, one skin, and only you can choose to make it better. Age healthy with one skin. I think also what people don't understand maybe that aren't as involved or that haven't watched your show yet, you guys, and I am begging you, this show will have you hooked like it's insane. It blows my mind how many different ways that these adults can go about things like and how that they're all wrong. Like, but some men are masturbating, they're showing off their genitals. Some are literally persuading these who they think are children to actually physically meet up with them sometimes that same day or the next day. Yeah. But then there's also just even the conversation and talking about body parts and things that like a 12 year old should never. 13, 14 year olds should never have to be discussing. I think not everyone understands that. You know what I mean? Like it's not just this or that happens. Like there's just so many different levels of the grooming of process, I guess. Right. And what you see has been edited for television, you know, for a TV 14 rating. There's so much that we can't share that is just so vile and so horrendous because we do want people to be able to watch it. It's not nearly Mm -hmm. digestible if you see all the vomit inducing things that we have to see and and the things that they're saying to kids. Um, But yeah, I mean, some of the tactics are really sneaky. So I uh, did a talk once among adults and I used someone in the crowd as a to demonstrate mm-hmm. how perpetrators work. And I had said, hey, can you just hold on to this pen for me for a second? They're like, yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, hey, can you know, can you fix my button on my sleeve for me? Um, okay, sure. Then a few minutes later, I had like another question, like, hey, can you just mm-hmm. gra- hold on to this like highlighter for me? And what I was doing was he just kept saying yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Because all of the things I asked for were really benign. Like, of course, I'll hold this pen for you. Sure, I'll button right. your uh, cuff button for you. And it's very similar to what happens online when a child is being groomed. It's like, oh, um, make sure you uh, send me a good morning text when you wake up. All right. Nothing seems fishy there. Good morning. Hey, um, oh, you're having breakfast. Take a picture of what you're eating. Okay. Here's a bowl of my oatmeal. Uh, that's also seems benign. And then it's like, okay, now how about what you're wearing for the day? Okay, here's my outfit. Super cute. Like, that's a normal thing. That's normal. And so they get these kids so used to saying yes, so used to acquiescing to their requests 
Mm. that when they push the envelope further, it's like, well, you know, we're friends. It doesn't seem like a big deal. None of this other stuff has been a big deal. And it puts kids in a really awful, a really awful situation. And these guys are master manipulators, you know? They absolutely are. Like it is, it's legit mind blowing. I can't even fathom some of the stuff that I've seen. And although, like you said, we're not even seeing like the worst of the worst, it's like you can read it on your face, on Shelby, one of your producers on the show, like her face, your whole team, the, these now that it's not you being the decoy and you have these decoys like having Isabel, who plays Abby on your show, like literally in tears mm -hmm. because she's like, he, like it, it hit her, like, I, like you could just see it. It hit her like a ton of bricks. Like this man thinks he's actually speaking to a 12 year old and it's just fucking mind blowing. Right. I mean, it's interesting because there was one day on set and I have three kids, two are teens, one's a tween and they came and visited me and you know, they were there season one too. So they know Shelby and Matt and Jordan and mm -hmm. they came and uh, they just visited. And I think they were like in the back in that research and support room and they were like doing a painting while we were uh, filming, filming. And it really kind of hit home for everyone. Like, holy shit. Like these are the ages that we're portraying right now because we're all adults. I mean, even Isabel, who's young, she's 21. She's still, she's an adult. And she, you know, she has experiences from being online when she was younger, like all of us do. And yeah, it is hard. I, I do feel this level of responsibility of kind of protecting the team as much as I can, especially because Isabel and Alicia are so much younger than I am. Um, so there are times where like in that, in one video call, if somebody is, you know, masturbating or showing their genitals or doing something really gross, they leave the room or I, I, we turn off video and I face the phone towards me and I just tell Isabel what to say so they can still hear her. But yeah, I, the more that we can shelter, it's, it's like we don't want to poison the well. So we try to shield as much of the team as possible because it does start to it's seedy stuff. And when you're bombarded with it, it, it's all the worse. Yeah. The fact that you can handle that is like you're a super mom, super woman. Like I don't, girl, I don't even know. So something I noticed on season two, someone on your research team became a decoy, right? Yes. So uh, Becca, she actually works, she works for Sosa. So she's up here in our New Haven office and she works with Sosa. She was willing to be a decoy. And we weren't sure if we were going to do more than two because sometimes two is like, all we can handle. It kind of depends on the influx. I mean, you guys have like a million iPhones going on at one time, like yelling at each other through this house. Yeah. I'm secretly like, hoping, I'm secretly hoping that Ryan Reynolds will like sponsor our next decoy sprint with Mint Mobile or something because it is, it's so many phones and so many phone bills. You know what? Shout out. Let's manifest that. Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> you have four, I think four daughters or no, she's pregnant to so three young daughters and another on the way right now. So Ryan Reynolds, get on board manifesting. Yeah, we need that unlimited plan. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And so yeah, we, we're, we're, we're juggling a lot of phones and a lot of messages are coming in. And we were like, well, Becca, let's, let's get you on there. And we had rooms prepped just in case because there have been in the past where if somebody gets burned, then we have to kind of shut all that down and we have a new persona for them and maybe they slap on a wig and they're in a different bedroom. So we already had another bedroom prepped and ready to go. And then we decided we were going to launch her. And I, you know, Incredible. I spoke with the sheriff's office about it and she was, she was ready. We already had the fake braces made for her and she did great. You know, she's not an actor by trade, but she did great. Oh, she did a phenomenal. Like it took me a second and I'm like, oh my God, that's wait. She's from research. Right. And if you send a donation, it's Becca writing you a thank you note. So she's. Yeah. 
So everyone, please donate. Please yeah. donate. And, and and she did she did a great job. You know, she's 23 and um, she shares in one of the episodes what it was like for her being a 14-year-old online and making friends with older people and realizing that they did not have good intentions in mind. And so I think that all of us, regardless of like what age we are when we were born, we have a story of like something just not feeling right, something feeling Mm -hmm. really off and gross and then feeling ashamed about it. And I'm really hoping, I'm hopeful that Undercover Underage releases a lot of young people from victim blaming, any victim blaming that they've felt over the years. And I think that's one of my, those are some of my favorite messages that say, you know, your show made me realize that my abuse was not my fault. And, uh, you know, I couldn't ask for much more than that. That's so important, especially at that age. So like what we were kind of talking about earlier, because you and I are right close to the same age here. You're still younger than me. But um, I, I think we're exactly well, the same age. I'm 40. I'm 40. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. I thought you were 39. So okay, yay for us. So I like what I was saying in the beginning, like I remember just like an AOL chat room, right? Mm-hmm. And now even as a grown adult, I'm pretty much only aware of like the main social media that is available to us, the Snap which I don't use because I'm too old, I think, the Instagram, the Facebook, the Twitter. Mm-hmm. But when I'm watching Undercover Underage, there's all these different social media outlets or chat rooms or forums that I'm not even aware of. And I, I wonder, like, how do you guys figure out all these different things? Do, do you think parents are aware that their children have access to much more than just the things I know of? Yeah, I, I don't think that they necessarily do. There are so many, and the only reason why we know about them is because we are very much online. But, you know, I think people really kind of go, oh, Instagram, Snapchat, right. TikTok. Like, those are the main ones that yeah. they're concerned about. But there's Discord and Kick and Twitch and Omegle and Meet Me and Scout and Ad Chat. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. There are so oh many. There are so many um, ways to communicate. But it's not just these, like, meeting apps or social apps that parents need to be concerned about. I was helping train a trust and safety team for a, a company that develops apps. And they said, hey um, – we've really had a difficult time with one of our apps because there are just a lot of perpetrators on there that are preying on children. And I'm like, all right, what kind of app is it? Tell me about it. It's a coloring book app. Stop. A coloring book app. So, and, and so we always think like, I don't know how many times one of us has, you know, uh, needed to entertain a kid. And so you download a coloring book app and you like hand a, ch- a kid an iPad and just say, all right, go do a thing right. for a bit. Yeah. But really it's any app where there's any potential communication. So I remember at one point, um, one ACM had said, hey, I'm worried about texting you. I don't want to get caught. Can you and I both download the same makeup app and we can just chat on that? So, I mean, there it's, you know, it's happened on Words with Friends. Um, wow. It happened on the Fitbit app. It's it's not uncommon. So I just never want, because parents will say, what are the worst ones? I just never, or what are the safe ones? Yeah. I never want to give a parent like a false sense of security. Like, oh, this is really super safe. Because if you can communicate on it, like Kristen, you and I could open up a Google Doc and you could mm-hmm. be writing in blue and I could be writing in green and I could mm-hmm. be a predator preying on you. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it, 
there are so many, unfortunately, so many avenues with which to harm a child. So really, I mean, and I'm not a mom, so I never try to speak as a parent, but it's, I think it's really about like communicating with your child and having that open line of communication. So no joke. I was at my girlfriend Cameron's yesterday. She's a mom of two and her daughter was on, is it called Robo Blocks? Roblox, Roblox. Yeah. Roblox. Sorry. She was on both of her kids, but her one, her older daughter was on Roblox and I was telling her my friend Cam about this interview and telling her all about undercover underage. We watched the trailer for season two. I'm like, girl, you have to jump on board. And she was mind blown. Right. As we're doing that, we come into the house and her daughter comes up and says, mom, I'm on Roblox with a couple of her friends. And I didn't realize you could chat on there. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden someone pops in that's like not in their friend group, which I didn't know could happen and just wrote, trust me. Oh, and that's all it said. And she immediately was like, hey, mom, this person just jumped into the blah, blah, blah. And it was like, thank God she said something. Thank God she was smart enough to know this is weird. I don't even know who this person is. And I didn't. So I started asking her, I was like, why well, isn't it like a private chat room? It's just you and your girlfriends. Like, how is there someone on there? And she was like, well, no, anybody can jump in and like say something at the top. Yeah. And it just like a holy shit. Well, I think it's great that she has that kind of relationship with her mom. Like that speaks to mm-hmm. the relationship that they have, that she was willing to go, hey, something's not right here. Yeah. It was th- that's exactly what it was. Something's not right. This doesn't feel right. I mean, I was a definitely a curious teenager. If somebody mm-hmm. hopped into a group and said, "Trust me," I'm like, "Oh, about what? Like, yeah, say like, more. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm here for the plot. Let's go." Um, yeah. And I think I, I could see how I would have certainly gotten into trouble. And it's not about like even about being like smart or savvy. Kids are just these guys are so experienced at manipulating kids. Yeah. And I, you know, I think about there are times where I was messaging one of these perpetrators, and he's like. I'm like, hey, I have to go to bed because it's late. It's past this decoy's bedtime, and we need mm-hmm. to, you know, we're done for the night. He's like, just stay up. I want, I want to, um, just send me one picture. I'm like, I can't. I'm in bed. Um, my mom's gonna find out. I was like, no, just say you're gonna go to the bathroom, and then like go to the bathroom, take a quick picture, and then send it to me. And it's like they've got everything in their back pocket. Like, okay, just go to the bathroom. Oh, you're at school and you can't take a sexy photo. Just go to the bathroom. Go to the locker room. Tell your teacher you're sick and you need to go to the bathroom because you're gonna vomit, and then send me, oh you know, God. a photo. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. It's they hard really when someone's masters that. of manipulation. And it's they're aggressive. And honestly, it's scary. Sometimes you it's especially terrifying. as a kid, sometimes you comply just out of fear. Yeah, as a child like I Let mean, me uh, I can explain it like even as an adult okay. or even or as a young adult. Did someone ever kiss you and you didn't necessarily want to be kissed, but you're standing there kind of frozen and you're like, I don't really know how to handle this. I'm just going to I don't know what to do here. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want this, but I don't know what to do. And so you're just kind of like, you kind of go into like scared raccoon mode, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's what a lot of kids go through. You know, it's hard to to know what to say or what to do or to think that somebody like, oh, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want to make someone mad at me. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I don't want them to be mad at me. I'm mm-hmm. embarrassed. I'm awkward, but mostly that I don't want them to be mad at me or think something of me, especially as teenagers, because they're in this growing phase of like going through a million different identity changes. I mean, I remember being 12, 13, 14, and I was like, well, now I'm the girl with the blue lipstick and now I'm cheerleading and now I'm like the choir dork. And now I have these different friends. And like, you're just constantly figuring out your identity at that point and going through puberty and Mm -hmm. It's my just, personality would change yeah. with every movie I watched. I'm like, okay, I want to be like her now. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm oh going to flip through Adelia's catalog and find the exact same outfit. 
Yes. Oh, we literally, we are the same. I have so many questions. I'm trying to like put the, I'm so fired up right now. Like, you know, <laughs> as soon as I watched Undercover and Age, I was like, I need to be on your research team. Please let me be on your research team. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you there. We're going to send you a, a laptop and a headset. I'm all over it. So I just want to talk about like specifically for those of my awesome listeners who are fans of Undercover Age and those of you who are not, who will become super fans about some of the like specific ACMs that you guys have on season two. Mm -hmm. So you always give them a pseudonym, obviously, change their voice, blur out the face, because as you state in the very beginning of every episode, law enforcement has to serve the justice. And in you know, they're innocent until proven guilty, even though we know they're guilty as hell <laughs> and all of that. But it blew my mind about someone that you guys call the park ranger. Mm. He was a child welfare specialist. Yeah. He worked for like DCF, like Department of Children and Family Services. You know, when you call- Which is like CPS, like Child yeah, Protective Services? Yeah, Child Protective Services. So basically the okay. people that you call when a kid's in danger and they're like, they need to yeah. be removed from this home. He was that person. He's that person. And um, yeah. I mean, yeah. that is like the most wild thing I think that I've seen. I don't know if it's the most, no, maybe not the most wild this season, but one of the most wild this season where it's like this person literally has these children like in the palm of his hand. You know, he would place foster kids in homes. That was one of his jobs. And then when he wasn't doing that, he was volunteering at his church and he was the youth camp counselor at a sleepaway camp. You know, oh counsel like like being the camp counselor for kids that were the same age as the decoy he was after. That is fucking wild. So we have the park ranger, the soldier. Who was the one that was going after Abby, the 12-year-old decoy and was that the one trying to get like a bunch of her friends? Like it essentially it sounded like child child trafficking is what the, it sounded like to me. The Patriot? Yes, the Patriot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounded like sex trafficking. He was or having or like an orgy party for little girls. Is he going to drug them? Like I, my brain was going into so many. I mean, at one point we were like, is he kidnapping? Like what, what is right. this? Like the, the goal is to, I mean, each number, each age that we threw out, he wanted younger, you know, 12, 11, yeah. 8, 2. And then when it got to the two-year-old, and, and feel free to cut this because this is so disturbing, but you know, when he asked, like, well, does she wear diapers? I think people need to know this. Yeah. You know? does, it's, it is, it's fucked up, you guys. Like, just alerting you now. Like, it's tough for, for everyone to hear, but, like, it's something that you go through every day dealing with these people, and I think it's really important for people to understand. I think people assume that certain kids are exempt. You know, a certain age group is exempt from this. And I um, thought so. Yeah. And this guy was really interested in a toddler and a two-year-old and would ask questions like, does she wear a diaper? Does she run around outside naked in a sprinkler? Do you think she would sit on my lap? Do you think she would let me change her diaper? I remember somebody said, someone on the team said, why the obsession with diapers? I'm like, well, because yeah. it's it's giving him access, right? It's like a very, it, like it's a very reasonable thing to do, changing a kid's diaper. But in this scenario, he's oh, he's God, getting yeah. access. You know, he's getting access and he's yeah. able to explain it away. I was just changing her diaper. I was just giving her a bath. I think that is so frightening, so frightening for parents to hear. And it's like, it's almost so terrible that we don't even want to process that that's a possibility. But unfortunately, right. like even with CSAM, child sex abuse material, legally known as child porn, you uh -huh. do see that. You do see toddlers, you know, and that is, it's, it's brutal to think about. And he asked your decoy, Abby, to send a photo of what is like her, the neighbor. Mm -hmm. She said she had like a two-year-old neighbor child and he was like, oh, send me a photo. Mm -hmm. So then immediately you have Matt who's on your team, who's just brilliant at Photoshop and 
graphic design, all of that, but he was able to create like a baby essentially out of what it was like an AI. Yeah. We use an AI, uh, we use an AI toddler and then he edited it and we sent it. And yeah, I mean, that was our, that was the first time we ever had to, you know, come up with a fictitious two-year-old, which is really sad to think about. But I think that probably a lot of our our friends are are influencers and are online and like it is so it is so sweet to see our our, our friends kids you know photos of them but I do genuinely or I do caution parents that sometimes these people like when we are going through a perpetrator's Instagram to see what they follow and who they follow mm-hmm. and what they're looking for sometimes it's the hashtag splish splash or potty training or tubby time Oh shit. Because they're looking for those kinds of photos. Because that's like the the mom fluencers out there are are using, you know, hashtags like that because that's their part of I guess their like their job online. Like it didn't not even cross my mind. Yeah. Well, you think it's 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 innocent. It's so benign. Like it's a little kid, you yeah. know, having their first bath or their potty training or yeah. they're standing in a diaper and they look really cute and um a diaper and mom shoes, right? And yeah to know that that is something that is material yeah. for these perpetrators. You know, I, I can't, I mean, I'm shaking my head because I can't find the word for it, but it's, it's yeah. um, kind of mind blowing. For the guys that you have essentially like have been, well, we'll say brought to justice. I mean, I don't know what justice really is because I feel like their time behind bars is like not enough for them to even rehabilitate if that's possible. But for the ones that you have, you know, brought to justice per law enforcement, were any of them or do you know, were any of them already registered as sex offenders or were they never caught prior to this? Do you guys look at like sex offender lists when you're like in the city that you know you're going to do or you mostly just work with law enforcement based on like what was it, ICAC, you said it's mm-hmm. called? Yeah, Internet Crimes Against Children. Um, so they were not already on the sex offender registry. And Ugh. I think that's, I mean, people do say, oh, well, we ran, a, we ran a background check. Well, of course, the guy who works for CPS passed the background check. Right. But a background check doesn't show what somebody hasn't been, you know, stuff that hasn't been what caught. What his private browser looks like. Yeah. Right. Right. Never been caught. So there have been... A couple times that we have caught someone, and you'll see this in, in later episodes, we've found people that are reoffending, certainly. And uh, that is really frustrating because it's like, I want to think that people can be rehabilitated, certainly. And I would love to know, I would love to think that undercover, underage, that someone is watching and going, oh man, I realize that I have this like desire to search photos of kids online and I don't want to do that. I need to go get help. Or yeah. it inspires them to get help before they ever become offenders. I do hope right. that's the case. You will see later on in the season that there is a point where we kind of have our like our head in our hands. And it's like, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point yeah. if they're just going to do it again? And, um, you know, of course, that's in the middle of us being really upset. And, uh, you know, there's there's we, we obviously see the, see the good in this. And I hope that, you know, a five year sentence, five years in, in prison is enough for someone to go, damn, I made some really poor life choices and I need to think about what got me here and what I need to do when I'm back in society because I want to be a productive member of society. You know, I I hope that's the case. I am very hopeful that that's the case. Obviously, like recidivism rates are really hard to quantify because so much sex abuse goes unreported. Exactly. And so a question, my boyfriend, Luke, since he's not here, he he had a couple of questions for you. So in talking about like the penalties and the jail time, 
Luke wanted to know if you would like to see heavier penalties for these people and what would that look like if it were up to you? Mm. That is a really good question. Um, So some of the cases that you've seen in season two have been adjudicated, like people are, are serving time now. I feel like I do not have enough information about rehabilitation and recidivism to mm-hmm. accurately answer that or give a good opinion. I don't know if right. four years is enough. Is it enough in specific crimes and, is and it not case enough by in some? Case. Right. right. Or should some should there be a minimum for XYZ? I mean, there are times in some states that somebody just gets probation, right? And then they smoke weed and they get like 10 years in prison. Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately I can't also fix the justice system, right? Like, like the, right. the holes in the justice system. Single-handedly, correct. You can right. do that. Um, but I do hope that, I, I think there are some, we've had some cases where I think our followers and our supporters have been really upset by the length of the sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, it's six years, five years, four years. And I can understand that frustration. And frankly, that's six years, five years, four years in a very conservative southern state you know and so that might be all there is right now that might be the only recourse of course there's a sex offender the sex offender registry what are their lives like when they get out i mean with any felon right so um yeah i unfortunately there are things in life where i have to say i don't have enough information to give a really good opinion about that right no i totally get that You guys have probably seen me and Luke cook up a storm using Green Chef on Instagram recently since things have been crazy to say the least. And let me tell you, the meals have been such lifesavers. We've been loving their 10-minute lunches where each week's menu includes two convenient, low-prep, and nutritious lunch recipes ready in just 10 minutes. No cooking required, especially when we're running around all day. Green Chef has options for every lifestyle keto, protein-packed, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and gluten-free. I love their vegetarian options, whereas Luke is all about the fast and fit. They are also environmentally friendly with reducing your food waste by up to 23% versus grocery shopping. I loved making the black bean tacos and their sweet potato curry. Yum. Luke raved about the salmon Caesar salad and the tamari beef bowls. You all need to try it. Just go to greenchef.com slash 60 that's Doty60 and use code Doty60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Again, greenchef.com slash Doty60 and get 60% off plus free shipping. DM me. Let me know how you like it. So also on this season, I don't know if I noticed it last season or if I'm just noticing it more for season two, that when you're going out with law enforcement during these, I don't know, what do you call like when you're basically going after the guy, whatever. Yeah, you like call a takedown. Yeah. A takedown, yeah. That you're wearing a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. So one of which is terrifying to know that that's why you were saying it can be really dangerous in the beginning of this, like with just for everyone listening, for you to go out and try to like do this on your own. Like Rue is out here doing this in a bulletproof vest with a team of law enforcement, multiple police cars, multiple police officers that are highly trained. Mm-hmm to handle these situations. And sometimes, who God knows if it could be surprising even for them. You never know, right? right? right. But Luke wanted to know, what is the scariest or or if there's more than one or closest call when you went along for an arrest or a takedown? What was something that like terrified you? I remember in season one, you guys, um, I forgot the officer's name, but he always like played your Uber driver. Yeah, Suda. Yeah. Suda. Yeah. He's Oh my God, he's awesome. But I remember one, I can't remember the guy, but you guys had pulled into some parking lot and there was like a white van 
and then it just kind of sat in front of you and he was like rue get down i don't want him to see you and like you didn't know what was going to happen in that moment yeah with the headlights just shining at your car going is the guy going to get out does he have a weapon is he going to take off, you know? Yeah, that was the candy man. Um, oh, yeah, ugh. and it was – it was because he literally showed up to a candy store in a white van. Like we couldn't have written <laughs> something more no. stereotypical. Um, I would say and, – and you see it in uh, the season finale. At, at one point, I – for my safety, I could not wear a bulletproof vest because we would be tipping an ACM off and he was mm. going to be – in really close proximity to me. And um, we believe that he had this, that he could potentially be pretty violent. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that law enforcement was around, but sometimes mm -hmm. they're not right there. Sometimes they have to be hiding. I mean, they have to be hiding. So they're 300 right. yards away. And my heart definitely pounds in those moments where it's like, oh, damn, like what's what's going to happen here? And I remember at that point I had had a camera rigged to the front of the vehicle. So like mm -hmm. right where the, the glove box is. Right. And this guy was going to be driving towards me. And because it was rigged, there were like bungee cords. I'm like, he's going to see this. He's oh, going to see this. And this is, this is too sketchy. And so, you know, I'm on, I'm, I can, people can hear me and I can hear them. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this down. I think this is too dangerous. And so as he's, they're like, okay, he's coming up the block. I I'm yanking it down. I'm like undoing these bungee cords because, oh, um, it, it's just too nerve wracking. And there are times too, where uh, I'm going to do a meet. There was one, one other instance where I was going to do a meet and our timing was a little bit off and mm -hmm. I was supposed to go meet him face to face and the timing was a little bit off. So I stopped because we were meeting in a parking lot. I stopped and uh, I bent over to tie my shoe and I was just buying time, tying my shoe, tying my shoe. And then suddenly like they were there and the arrest was made. But yeah, those are some uh, adrenaline spikes that take a while to recover from for sure. Oh, I can't even imagine. I remember last season when you, I don't remember which episode, but you went to go meet someone at like a motel. Mm -hmm. like as a decoy and I'm just sitting there going oh shit oh shit she's literally inside by herself even though the police are outside and like ready and waiting and yes there's like a motel receptionist there no but, but it was like, the seediest motel too it was yeah. so seedy that it's just a bulletproof glass between you and the receptionist <sighs> or the you and the person behind and I will say that like sometimes the at that point, the producer that was in the car was like, hurry up, hurry up, get out of there. Go, go, go. He yeah. was getting like pretty frantic. Of course, it ended up being fine, you know. Right. But yeah, it's certainly nerve wracking. I would say it's certainly yeah. nerve wracking. Like you're obviously worried for your safety. And secondly, and I know probably this is the most importance to you is like, you don't want to lose this guy. No, you can't blow it. We did all this work. This guy is obviously right. like a seasoned perpetrator. We can't blow it. We need to get this person. And I will say too, that sometimes like to have an effective takedown, sometimes they need to see a body. They need to see like somebody that looks relatively like the person that they're talking to. And it mm -hmm. happened not, not on television, but in a sprint we did recently, I was supposed to be meeting inside a Taco Bell. And I was like, okay, I'll be there with like my pink handbag. And he's walking in and I'm like, oh, he's walking into the Taco Bell. He's walking into the Taco Bell. I'm standing there. I'm waiting. I'm like, he's going to spot me and say, 
oh damn, that woman's definitely middle-aged and like run <laughs> and law enforcement like came in and I, I mean, I was, you know, I was wearing a bulletproof vest and a hoodie and like the hood was up and I had like headphones yeah. on, like I was listening to music, but yeah, like I probably, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had a physical in a bit and I think that I might need to go on like blood pressure medication. I was going to say, I was like, your blood pressure has to be skyrocketing. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of adrenaline spikes and crashes where you just see me like in, in the fetal position on the floor for a while. <laughs> I think people think that when you're on television, like you must be one rolling in money and your nonprofit must be rolling in money. And that is just not the case. Like we only have three full-time employees and like at a nonprofit salary, not like a normal human salary. Yeah. You know, these are, so I think that speaks to how passionate that some of the people on the team are about the work that we do. Hell yeah. So just so everyone knows, yeah, please pay attention to that. Like we are not rolling in the dough. Okay. And like this is her life's work, Rue's life's work and, you know, her partners and everyone on her team. And so Rue and I were talking um, right before the podcast. And as you guys all know, Katie and I have relaunched, which is a WeHo wine. Yay. We have our potion number one, the Pinot Grigio out right now, and we're getting ready to very soon launch a potion number two. And this time around, Katie and I were very excited and passionate with the owners of Knocking Point about doing a portion of our proceeds for every bottle sold going to a different charity. And we were going to, we were going to do like a quarterly thing because I just think that there's so many charities out there that really need help and recognition. And Mm -hmm. the one we chose to start with was, is first step of Wayne County, which is a domestic violence shelter for women and children from my hometown and something, um, a charity that I've worked with for a bit. My sister works with every single year. So very close to near and dear to my heart, but I would like to shift over starting in the month of June and we'll just kind of keep it going as long as it takes. We don't have to do a quarterly thing, but I want to like prove my fan girlness for not only your show, but for like what you do and for Sosa. So starting June 1st, we are going to switch it on over and those donations will now go directly to Sosa. Thank you so so much. You guys donate to Sosa, please. And if you want to, you know, double down on it and you, you know, just buy your witches a wee wine and that donation is going to go to Sosa as well. So it's like two birds, one stone. You know what I mean? Especially for Um, your, your summer parties. Exactly. Your summer, your summer patio parties. Yeah, exactly. You're helping to save children and you're drinking wine responsibly with adults. But if you're not a wine drinker, just donate to Sosa. That's totally fine too, you know? And so tell everyone the website and anything else that we missed just about Sosa, not just the TV show. Sure. Well, you know, Sosa, we do, you know, a lot of the work that you see is on undercover, underage. We do other work as well. So it's like three arms, prevention, intervention, and support. Prevention, we speak at schools, we talk to legislators, um, we do training sessions. Um, intervention, that's when that's the stuff that you see in undercover, underage, and support. We There are lots of other organizations that do support for survivors of sex abuse really, really well. Uh, so we don't want to throw too much weight into that because so many other places are doing a good job. But we do have a fund for therapy for people who have uh, experienced sex abuse. And that's, you know, we fund, I think, standard care sessions, like 16 sessions. So that, that's something that we feel really strongly about too. So it's uh, sosatogether.org and you can donate there. We do have, I think we're up to like 220 monthly donors. So 220 people that donate every single month. The average donation is $25. The lowest donation is $3 a month. And we have tons of $3 a month uh, donors, which is we're really grateful for. And, um, you know, you guys keep the lights on and we're very, very efficient. 
we took $5,000 and we had like five arrests in four days with that $5,000. We're squeezing those pennies. We're doing as much as we can. That's amazing, dude. And I'm curious, and this is probably, I'm guessing on your website, but what struck a chord with me was the prevention part. And like, if Mm -hmm. people, if there are like teachers, principals, you know, superintendents of school districts, what what have you, if they are interested in and really want SOSA to come to their school, to their organization, something of that nature, like do they contact you on the website? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because I think that should just be something, I mean, it's so important. You guys, like we don't know what these ACMs are capable of. Again, adult contacting a minor, we don't know what they're capable of. You can just see, you know, just I'm sure it's probably a small bit of it, like, um, you know, just on the TV show. Because like you said, you're doing this all the time, not just on a Mm -hmm. TV show that airs like once a year, you know what I mean? And I don't think that I realize as an adult how easy it is for them to contact these minors and how innocent these children are. And like we've said a million times, these men are masters of of manipulation. Yeah. And I remember one time I was talking to a, a parent who said, you know, my daughter, he told her to delete all the photos that you know, she sent him and to delete the text messages. And, you know, she really broke our trust. And I remember reframing it for her. I'm like, what if instead of looking at it, like your 10 year old daughter broke your trust, what if you look at it as this really terrible criminal coerced your daughter, you know, that's on him, not on her. And, um, you know, so we also take a very anti-victim blaming stance and all of our education is really empathy led. I um, love talking to high schoolers, high school classes or, or, or teachers. And at some point we would like to have enough funding to develop a curriculum so teachers can just have it. Yeah. I was just thinking like when I was in school, you know, we had like dare, you know, against drugs. Right. We had like mothers against uh, mother, mad and sad students against drunk driving, mothers mm-hmm. against drunk driving, which is like super important. But why isn't there and there should be, not saying why isn't there, right? right? You need the funding for it, but there really should be like an organization, a curriculum for all students all across the nation so they can be more aware of this. And also like, I, I just feel like teenagers, like they, this is going to sound, maybe I'm not wording it, but like almost like the cool in it, like we stand up, we are going to help also teach you know our friends not to do this. Mm-hmm. And and to be really strong. And I think in our day and age, as adults, as women, like we're just now starting to take a stance in the last few years because of the social yeah. media culture that we're in of going, oh yeah, well, I was raped or I was groomed or I was this. Like as adults, we're just now speaking up. So imagine how difficult that could be for a child to speak right. up on something that, like we said earlier, they could be embarrassed about. They don't want someone mad at them. They don't want to feel awkward. So if there is like a curriculum about that and you get teenagers on board that are like, we don't stand for this, I think could be really effective. One thing I tell parents to do is that if they let their kids have TikTok, make them follow Sosa, not because we need the numbers or the views, but because we do share a lot of like, try to be relevant information for young people. So my kids that have TikTok, they're required to follow Sosa so they learn something new when a video pops up. But I think it's important for parents to know and just communities to know in general that this is not limited to teenage girls. Kids, irrespective of gender, get targeted. And the most common way I see it with boys is through extortion. And I get calls regularly about boys getting extorted where, you know, they're talking to this really cute girl online. They're going back and forth. She sends some nudes. He does too. Turns out it's not a cute little girl. It's an extortion ring or, you know, some criminal who says, your parents need to wire me a thousand dollars 
or I'm sending this picture to your coach, to the schools that you applied to, to every single one of your contacts on Instagram, to every single one of your parents' contacts on Instagram, you know, and, and that is ruinous for a kid, you know, to the point where there a story, a story in recent months that, uh, you know, a young boy died by suicide the same day he was extorted because you have these private moments exposed because you think you're talking to a peer. Mm -hmm. And obviously this is CSAM too, right? Like these people are collecting, um, child sex abuse material. So that's something for important for parents to know too. And I will sometimes flippantly say to young people, like, don't send nudes, don't do it. If you're going to do it, don't put your face in it, but don't do Mm -hmm. it. You know? And I told um, that to my girlfriends. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do it and have like your school banner in the background. Like, you know, yeah. but please don't do it. Yeah. But if you're gonna, you know, it's, it's kind of that conversation that I have with them because sometimes these people are like, Oh, great picture. Can you do one now full body in front of the mirror so I can see your face too? Mm. It's a flag. Huge, yeah. huge flag. Okay. So, so study together is the website. It's S O S A again, you guys, and TikTok. It's so set together. Correct. Yeah, we're supposed to together everywhere. Uh, on, on all platforms. So everyone, please watch Undercover Underage. It's on ID, Discovery ID right now, season two. We're on episode four. And how many episodes are this season? Eight. Okay, amazing. Oh, I was like, please don't be over. Please don't be over. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, go back, watch season two right now. Watch season one. Um, and it's on Mondays at? Nine, eight central. Yep. Nine, eight central. Okay, amazing. And you guys, I'm telling you, this is literally my favorite show on the face of the planet. It just makes me want to like, you know, I'm a social, as all my listeners know, I am a social justice warrior. I need a task. I need to like be able to change the world somehow in some small way. I don't like shitty people. So I hope that, you know, the donations we can get from Witches of WeHo will help you guys with sprints and everything else you know, with with your building a curriculum, everything that Sosa Together stands for. And everyone, please, please, please donate. Follow them on TikTok, Instagram. And also you can follow Rue on Instagram as well. Hey. And it's at just Rue, Rue Powell. Rue, yeah, Rue underscore pow. But I think I'm like the only Rue Powell floating around. So I think, so too, I think I'm yeah. easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, my favorite show. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you for doing God's work. You are incredible. And the fact that you're a mother to three and have all of this on your shoulders is just insane. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing this message. Uh, it means a lot. Your support means a lot. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we love you over here at Sex, Love, and What Else Matters. And this is important stuff, guys. So share this episode with all your friends and follow along with Sosa. And I love you, and I would love to have you on again, maybe like around the finale. That would be so fun. Yes, please. That would be great. Thank you so much. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next week. Make sure to follow us on social media. You can follow me on all platforms at Kristen Doty and follow Luke on Instagram at Luke double underscore Broderick. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you can stay up to date with new episodes every single Wednesday. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.